Hi, I'm Patty. And I'm Maria, and we're the hosts of Spooky, Sexy, Scary. Between Norman Bates, Witchcraft, and Pennywise, horror movies aren't just for chills. They're for sexy, sexy thrills. Did you see Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise? We've been making our way through the horror genre, from cult classics to new favorites. We never know what might turn us on. Join us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you love to listen. Follow us on Twitter at Spooky, Sexy, Scary. Like, share, subscribe. Welcome to Rock Candy. Yo, what's up? Your weekly podcast <laughs> bringing you sweet treats for your music party tonight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, music party tonight. We're having it, guys. <laughs> get ready. Get down. Let's get angry and rebellious. Mashi. But then also insightful and thoughtful. And dignified. And dignified, yes. Yeah. Quite. Mm, yes. <laughs> That's why we're drinking out of these mugs, having our pinkies up, because we're dignified. Is that what it is? Yes. <laughs> is that what it Not is? Not that we're hobos. No. No offense to hobos. We don't mean to put you on the same level as us. I guess if we were hobos, we'd just be drinking out of the bottle. Yeah, right? Never, yeah. Let's, let's, you know, I'm just going to do it. It's fine. This is fine. So this week we are talking about... Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. Very exciting. Mm. Because this is the first week of our whole month of viewer requested topics. Yes. And and so for this, we can say, you're welcome, Matt. <laughs> yes, Matt, you're welcome. You're welcome, Matt. <laughs> but it's surprisingly enough, with every suggestion, we only got one. Like, no suggestion got more than one person. Yeah, no suggestion was the same. If we had more than one for a suggestion, we would have done it. But it's funny. You guys suggested probably like 40 to 50 things. And yeah, we kind of had to pick it out of pick 40 to 50 things. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. But, but yeah. I've always been fascinated by Henry Rollins anyway. And I've really wanted to know his story. He has a pretty seems, interesting story. He seems very interesting as a person. I love watching him in interviews. Like he seems like a cool dude. You could get a beer or coffee with him and hang out and have a He's couple of got a shit together. Him. He's kind of intense. Yeah, but but that's I like thing. that. Yeah, I feel like it's one thing when you're intense. It's another thing when you know you're intense and that's what you're exuding to the world. Yeah. And that's what he does. Yeah. It's like Andrew W.K., but a lot more stern. <laughs> yeah. He's like, like Andrew W.K. dad. If Andrew W.K. wasn't so positive, yeah. he would be Henry Rollins. Yeah. I think they do kind of strike me as one and the same. And it works because Andrew W.K. is always in white. And I feel like Henry Rollins is always in black. Can they just hang out all the time together? Yeah, I want. I would like. That's my bromance of my dreams. Can I have that as a spinoff to Henry Loves Glenn Forever? <laughs> Which shout out to Henry Loves Glenn. Yeah. And if you haven't found those comics. Holy fuck, you need to go get that comic because it is amazing. It's the best thing. And it's it's just Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig, like living together in this lovely relationship where Glenn is just way too attached. Yeah, and also <laughs> their neighbors are Holland Oates, who are also Satanists. Yeah, if that doesn't sell you, 
I don't know what to do with you. Yeah, I don't know Get why you're here. Get the fuck out because... Why are you here? Because <laughs> why are you here? We're, we're pretty much just aspiring to be Henry Loves Glenn Forever. Pretty much. Or is much. it Glenn, Glenn Loves Henry Forever? I think it's Henry and Glenn Forever. Oh, Henry and Glenn Forever. I That's think, it. I that think. makes sense. I always mess it up because when I Google it or when I look at it, I just don't care. I'm just it doesn't matter. Just at the fucking comics. read it. Oh my God, it's so good. And I forgot to mention that we are your hosts. Hi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're already three minutes in. Who are you listening to? Yeah. It's me, Maggie. They fucking know. I'm yeah. Ashley, and they know. Whatever. Do you know? They might not know. This might be somebody who just thinks all the rest of our episodes are shit, but then they saw Henry Rollins, and they're like, hey, get in here. Also, beyond that, let you know that for tonight's fare on the menu, we are drinking Caffey Cafe <laughs> Coffee. I don't think it's Caffey, but it's spelled Caffey. Caffey. It's from Swiftwater Brewing Co. in Rochester. Rochester, New York. Rochester. That's why it's probably Caffey. I don't think they talk like that in Rochester. It's three different languages, Maggie. (laughs) I mean, potato. Right? (laughs) Yeah. But anyway. It's coffee-infused Belgian-style triple ale. Yeah. You got it. Yes. Good job. I did it. (laughs) I pulled it off. That's because Black Flag has a song called Black Coffee. And also, Henry has a spoken word album called black coffee blues yes so it's not black coffee but it was the only fucking coffee yo it's like beer. coffee beer season it should be so but why? everybody's got them ipas on the mind no guys which ipas I'm... is a summer and or spring beverage yeah, they we haven't gotten winter. the fucking memo yet so we're hurting for coffee stouts which i am sad about because that's like my fucking favorite coffee stouts coffee porters i'll take either or either it's either I, either 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 or I yeah, this isn't fine. even a stout or a porter. no it's a belgian triple so it's what i could find belgian triple double <laughs> that's not even triple, a thing that's not a thing it is now making it, it kind of thing. sounds like a move in figure skating though oh she just did the belgian triple double axel perfectly yes 10 stars tens 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 across the board my god good job henry rollins <laughs> I don't know. Oh, He's Henry a figure Rollins skater now. figure skating would be a sight to behold. All right. I would love that. Spinoff of Henry and Glenn Forever. So it's Henry and Andrew WK now just being like father, son, best friend figures. No, they and should. And they figure skate together. They should, they should be figure skating They're partners. Figures. Yeah, that's what I mean. Who do we got to fucking punch to make this work? Guys, neither of us can draw that well. Well, you probably could. Maybe. I could try. You could, you could pull it off. I could try. I'm, I'm looking at you because I... Don't look to me for this. Cannot. <laughs> I, however, cannot. All right. Uh, I guess we've we've fucked off enough. You know what you need to know going into this. Yeah, it's... So Henry, let's fucking... Let, yeah, let's just go. Let's, let's fucking roll on in this shit because I am interested. Yes. So a lot of newbies know Henry Rollins as an actor... Or maybe know him for his numerous books and spoken word albums and tours. Although his successes in these areas are absolutely noteworthy, he's arguably far more famous for being the frontman of the seminal hardcore punk band Black Flag. Hell yeah. Henry Rollins was born the day before Valentine's Day in 1961 in Washington, D.C. with a decidedly less badass name of Henry Garfield. Oh, he hates Mondays and, and loves, loves lasagna. lasagna. <laughs> it's all Italian food. Aww. He grew up in a pretty affluent area of D.C., but home life wasn't so peachy. He had a pretty tumultuous relationship with his father, Paul, whom he described as racist and strict to a point where it sounded like it was almost abusive. Oh. 
He classified his dad's viewpoints on women as misogyny on steroids. Oh, jeez. And Paul would educate Henry on this horribly sexist beliefs at an inappropriately young age. Henry's parents divorced when he was only three years old, and he lived primarily with his mom. Well, that's good. But he would visit his father on the weekends and would pray that Sunday would hurry up and arrive so he could be released from the clutches of Paul's bigoted tyranny. Oh, jeez. To be that young and understand, oh, no, my dad's quite wrong. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. We'll get to it, but I think a lot of that had to do with his mom. And Probably. It makes sense why they divorced when he was only three years old, because they seem like pretty different people. But thankfully, Paul's shitty views on anything non-white or male had the completely opposite effect on Henry, and he would later become a huge advocate for women's rights, gay rights, and anti-racism. Yeah, he is pretty woke. Oh, super woke. Considering he's a man in his late 50s Yeah, I think so. Um, white man, late he's, 50s. He's a white guy with, with you know, he's got money. Yeah. He's a pretty woke individual. Yeah. So. And again, to be that young and to be able to see that your dad is a piece of shit. Yeah. As far as human rights go. That's, it's, that's it's, good. That's pretty lucky. That's something in your veins that you just were born with. Right, right. While his dad ran his home like a chauvinistic military leader on weekends, Henry's mom, Iris, tended to nurture his creative side on the weekdays. Iris would take Henry to the record store three times a week and encourage him to listen to a vast array of music. This was when Henry came to love jazz music, which would be a huge influence throughout his entire musical career, even in Black Flag. Mm. But it doesn't really seem like Henry had a strong relationship with his mother either, despite the fact that his feminist ideals were rooted in his upbringing by Iris. She ran with a circle of intellectual, anti-conservative, pro-equality friends, but her choice in partners proved to be the exact opposite. One boyfriend of Iris's had a profound and lasting influence on Henry, and not for the better. Of course. This particular boyfriend sexually molested Henry, who was only seven years old at the time. That's fucking horrific. Yes, absolutely. Jesus. As Henry describes it, he did something wrong like young children do. Iris didn't know how to discipline Henry, so she called her boyfriend over to do it. Nope. Hey, you know, step number one. First thing you did wrong. (laughs) Yeah, like, number one. Number one. (laughs) May I point you to exhibit A? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Jesus. He ordered Henry to strip naked, then played with Henry for a minute. Fuck. Then beat the crap out of him with a belt. That's disgusting. Iris was in the room during this. (gasps) And that image never left Henry's mind. How do you... Do, How do you just even, sit there? Don't even... A, like, A, but then B, don't even fucking tell me she stayed with him. I have, I will I have no idea. throw this glass and walk the fuck out. But I mean, if she's calling him over to discipline Henry... I mean, what kind uh, of fucking idiot are you to think, hey, I don't know how to discipline my kid. Clearly, Henry's probably fine. I mean, he's yeah. seven, like, just... Give him a little spank on the butt or send him to his room. I don't know. Right. I don't have kids. I don't know how you discipline, but I know you don't call right. your boyfriend over to do it. And if you do, if he starts telling your kid to take his clothes off, that's when you say, mm, okay, mm, bye. Probably not the best bye idea. Bye. This is it. But also, like, what are, what are you doing? You don't know how to discipline your child at yeah. this point? If After seven years of raising him, you don't know how to discipline your child. So... That kind of tells me a lot about Iris. Well, and, what and it makes it it 
it's not excusable, but no. it makes it more understandable why she would allow it to happen. I wonder if it was maybe something that he said to her, telling her, you don't know how to discipline your child the next time he fucks up, you need to call yeah. me and have me come that over. Very Again, well not excusing something. it. Mm-hmm. However, that's the only scenario in which I can even fathom you right. doing something like that. I, I've, I have no idea what her personality really was like. Mm-hmm. So it, I have seen people who are very, very you know, steadfast in their convictions and really believe in this very uh, progressive, liberal kind of viewpoint. Right. Who also have horrible taste in partners. Yeah. Who consistently get abusive boyfriends or, you know, mentally and emotionally degrading boyfriends. Yeah. And it's just like, it's... It's just a thing. So Henry may have been molested another time, but I'm not entirely sure if this story is true or not. Supposedly, he was molested by a man in Greece who pulled him into his truck and touched him inappropriately when he was 10 years old. I only found one article briefly mentioning it, and I'm not sure if it's in any of his books. Right. So I don't really have anything to corroborate that, but it could have happened. Yeah. I don't know. But Henry was also a hyperactive kid. He's still kind of a hyperactive adult. (laughs) Yeah. But he has since learned how to control his hyperactivity by keeping himself busy. Mm -hmm. But as a child, he was prescribed Ritalin and sent to the Bullis School in Potomac, Maryland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which was a private all-boys school that was demanding, disciplinary, and modeled after the U.S. military. You might think that being Henry Rollins, he would have hated the hierarchy and disciplinarian regime of the Bullis School. Yeah. But he actually liked it and learned a lot from it. Huh. At the Bullis School, he learned the meaning of a strong work ethic and that hard work gets you what you want in life. That doesn't mean he still wasn't a holy terror. <laughs> Next to one of his yearbook pictures, it says, quote, symptoms, terminal gonzolitis, Future plans, nationwide terrorization. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, his nickname next to that picture was Hank the Crank. Mm. <laughs> it's just so stupid. So stupid. <laughs> but I also feel like, again, we've all had that friend in high school. Yeah. He reminds me of so many dudes that I hung out with in high school. He's, I imagine him being the guy you could dare to run headfirst into a brick wall yes, and he, he would, would do, do it. do it. Multiple times. And be quote unquote fine. Yeah. He's like, he's that friend who, when you get your driver's license, he's like, hit me with your car. I want to see if I can take it. And you're like, I want to see what it feels like. You're like, no, no, it's my mom's car. And I will get in so much trouble. My mom will hate me. My mom's going to ground me and then I can't use the car anymore. And then who's going to hit you with the car? (laughs) It's not going to be me. During these formative years, Henry formed one of the most important friendships of his life which was with Ian McKay, who became the lead singer of the band's Minor Threat and Fugazi. Yay! Major heavy hitters in the hardcore punk and post-hardcore scenes. Mm -hmm. I believe we talked a little bit about Ian in our um, Riot Riot Girl Girl episode. Because Fugazi was very good friends with most of the bands in the Riot Girl movement. Yes. Ian would end up being crucial to starting Henry's career in music. Ooh, Ian. What you up to? Getting your friend Henry some gigs? That's nice. He's up to a lot. I mean, I know Ian is is a busy man. He is quite a busy man. Henry and Ian both grew up in the Glover Park area of Washington, D.C., and together they discovered 1970s punk rock. 
The Ramones and the Stooges were huge influences on the boys, with Henry stating that listening to the Ramones' debut album for the first time was akin to shooting heroin. Whoa. From I feel the- like I've heard that quote before. Yeah. It's, I feel it, like that's a very famous quote. It is. It is. Um, from then on, it was a total love affair with punk rock for Henry. Yeah. And for Ian. Yeah. I mean, Both clearly. Ones, yeah, duh. By 1979, Henry had graduated high school and was enrolled in American University, and Ian was playing in a band called the Teen Idols. But college wasn't Henry's bag, so he dropped out after one semester and took a job as the head manager of a haagen ice cream shop in Georgetown. Yo, that's a sweet gig. It Literally. is. Literally. <laughs> no, but seriously, I would get so fat. <laughs> I would eat so much ice cream. So I have an Aunt Donna. Hi, Aunt Donna. Hi, Aunt Donna. She's not listening, but hi, she Aunt might. Donna. Hi, Aunt Donna. <laughs> she always said that when she retired, she wanted to open up a ice cream shop and call it Hagen Donna's. Oh, that's adorable. Did so, she do it? No, she didn't. Well, she should have. <laughs> she really should. I would have fucking ate there all the time. <laughs> I, I can make jokes, but... I know. I was thinking of them, too, and I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Nope. What if Aunt Donna's listening? <laughs> anyway, Sorry, Aunt Donna. Anyway... <laughs> By all accounts, Henry really liked his job at the ice cream shop. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like working with ice cream? Yeah. And you're head manager. You're making four bucks an hour, minimum wage. You got like those those girl workers who are like, oh, you're so cute, Henry. I imagine. Probably Maybe. Not. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. All right. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> But he wasn't satisfied, and he was very frustrated with where his life was, and he needed an outlet. Also understandable. Yeah. Because you don't want to live the rest of your life managing haagen Right? I don't think anyone really does. Well, maybe. If that's your bag, if you're good at it and you like it, fucking go for it. No, I'm an ice cream hustler, and that's like my bag. So, step up. Okay. Yes, Can I get some free ice cream? Sure. Say hi to your mother for me. (laughs) Thank you, Mark Wahlberg. He does co-own a chain of fucking hamburger joints. He should get into that ice cream game. Should he? Baskin Wahlberg. (laughs) No! (laughs) Baskin Wahlberg! Oh my god. (laughs) I can make jokes there, too. Oh my god. Around the same time, Henry was also helping out DC area bands as a roadie, including his friend Ian's band, The Teen Idols. The band's singer would often fail to appear for practice, and Henry convinced the band to let him fill in on vocals, and they were pretty impressed. Word started going around the DC scene that Henry was a pretty good frontman, especially after the band Bad Brains started letting Henry on stage to sing with them at shows, which is a pretty big deal. That's a very big deal. Bad Brains is fucking major. Even back then, they were major. I would say more so back then, in the sense that I think they had more. I think a lot of people don't know about Bad Brains now. I feel like a lot of people are like. probably like have heard of them somewhere floating around in the ether in the background somewhere. Yeah, but they don't realize the the total impact they had. Yeah, how influential they were. So, but yes, to have Bad Brains pull Henry on stage. It's a big deal. Yeah. Finally, in 1980, Henry joined his first band. The band, called State of Alert, or SOA for short, arose after the remaining members of another band, the X-Torts, were looking for a new lead singer. Bears had deuced to join Minor Threat, which Ian McKay would later join, so the rest of the band recruited Henry and formed SOA. This is very uh, incestual. 
Yes. I mean, DC scene, very small punk scene going on. So, hey, you're going to. You bored with that band? Come join ours. We'll give you our drama. Yeah, basically. There you go. It's like NFL trade season. Is that what it's called? That's how football works. Is that a thing? The draft. There's the Washington DC punk band draft every year. <laughs> There's in the only summer. five people in-, in the summer. It's like, and you have fucking what's his face? Oh my god, Madden. What's his name? James Madden. Who's the Madden guy for the games? The football guy. Oh my I god, guys, know. we don't do football. I'm so sorry. Joe Madden. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god, who's oh god, please write in if you're just Frank? shaking your fist. Sean. Off. I think it's James. Aaron? I don't think it's Daryl. Daryl. Daryl Madden? No. I got it. I just want to meet the please if you're shaking your fist at us right now, I will. You just have every in. right to. I don't give two shits we about football. We don't know anything. I know how it works. I'm generally. talking about Henry Rollins, not football right wow, now. Wow, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail us. <laughs> But the Washington, D.C. punk band draft is similar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very similar to the NFL. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. So SOA was short-lived, but quickly gained a reputation. That was mostly due to Henry. At this point, he was an avid weightlifter and absolutely loved to get into fights. Oh, my <laughs> He was intense and had an angry streak in him and did not shy away from starting fights with audience members. Whoa. Yeah. After only a dozen or so shows and one EP under their bell, SOA broke up. This was in 1980, the same year Henry and Ian discovered Black Flag. Yeah. Black Flag was already a well-established band in Southern California punk scene and had already toured extensively. It was because of that excessive touring that Des Kadena's vocals were turning to shit and he wanted to move to guitar only, so they started looking for a new singer. Oh, okay. When I looked at the Black Flag band member section on Wikipedia, there's been a lot. Rotating. There's been a lot. They've gone through the- It's basically a lazy Susan of musicians. It really is. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. There were, there were, there were, there were a lot. <laughs> they went through the draft a few times. A few times. I'm sure if I knew more about NFL, I could liken them to some kind of team that also rotated players a lot, but I don't, don't most know shit. Wait, is that how that works? I don't know. Guys, how does football work? How do football work? How do what is a pigskin? <laughs> do I kick it? I'll take sports for 300, Alex. By the way, there are no odd number... No. Categories I was like, Jeopardy. 300 doesn't exist. I also fucked up Jeopardy. <laughs> I lost on Jeopardy. You know what we're doing? Batting a thousand. Baseball, baseball reference! <laughs> Guys, we're doing real good with these sports references. Black Flag happened to be playing a show in New York City in December of 1980, which wasn't too far from D.C., so Henry hopped on a train to New York to see the show. Des brought Henry up on stage to sing the song Clocked In, and they were so impressed with Henry's onstage abilities that they asked him to audition for for them the next day. They were so impressed, like, you may audition, yes. sir. It was, I mean, it was basically a done deal already, and the audition was just a formality. Yeah. But they offered Henry the job on the spot nice. after his audition. 
At first, he was a little apprehensive, but Ian McKay encouraged him to take the job, and with a bit of prodding and pushing, he accepted. So he went back to D.C. and broke the news to his boss at haagen Oh, no! Who was surprisingly supportive. Mr. Doss, I gotta quit my job! <laughs> Mr. Hagen, Mr. Doss. You'd definitely be Mr. Doss. Yeah. So he packed up his shit, sold his car, gave all of his shit away, and went on the road with Black Flag for the rest of their tour as a roadie, and finally settling into his new home in L.A. in 1981. Nice. Good for you, Henry. Adding Henry to the Black Flag roster prompted some changes for the band. Up until now, Black Flag had been a straightforward punk band relying heavily on the three-chord progressions found in Mm. so much of punk. The band's guitarist, Greg Ginn, was already looking to diversify the band's sound and bringing in Henry with all of his different musical influences and love of heavy metal and jazz helped kickstart a new sound that went beyond the basic three chords. Yeah, it was way more complicated. Yes. Black Flag only lasted for another five years after Henry joined in 81, but they made a huge impact in that short amount of time. Hmm. They began working on their first album, Damaged, and right off the bat, they had conflict with their producer, whose name was Spot. Uh, Okay. Apparently, he was a dog. I don't know. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's a producer dog. I'm just picturing a Dalmatian in a business suit. (laughs) With headphones on. And he's like, Bark, do it again. Bork, bork. (laughs) Louder. Bork, can I just get the vocals on this one? They're a little soft. Bork, bork. Bork, bork. Aw. He just borked all over those, all over the album. (laughs) He just borked all over the jam. Those borks all over the uh, the album that you hear. That's just their producer spot. (laughs) Oh my God. It's adorable. Can we get a dog and just have it be our producer? I technically have a dog who could be our producer. Uh, Godzilla is our producer. I guess. He's not good at anything except licking. He licks like a champ. Yeah, he does. All of our dogs look like champs. Small dog syndrome. (laughs) But Spot wasn't happy with the new lineup that now consisted of Greg on lead guitar, Dez on rhythm guitar, Chuck Dukowski on bass, and Robo on drums. Yo, that is like a lot of dimensions for a punk band. Five pieces? What? Crazy. And a lead singer. Yeah. You don't have rhythm guitar in a punk band. No. Oh, no. That's crazy. That's bananas. Like, it's you'd be hard-pressed to find a punk band with more than three members in it. Truth. Spot believed that the two guitars made their sound too muddy and gave a lot of pushback about the lo-fi sound the band was searching for. Guys, I don't like how good you sound. Yeah. Can you I don't not? like how amazing this album is, so let's redo it and make it shitty. Bork. <laughs> right? Bork, this album's <laughs> too good. I'm going to turn down the rhythm guitar in this scene. <laughs> What the band was trying to do with Damage was push punk to a new level. There was very little variation in punk music and any attempts to bring new elements to the music was viewed as showing off or not staying true to the scene. Oh, As oh, we yeah. have said before, punk is the worst. Oh, you're a fucking poser. You got a rhythm guitar. Let's fucking poser. You're a big phony. <laughs> you're a big fat phony. <laughs> But Black Flag was sneaky, and they threw in changes to their sound that were different, but meshed really well with basic punk principles, so nobody would ever know. 
They went beyond the three chord progressions and into complex guitar riffs, and the lo-fi sound gave the album a raw edge, while Henry's emotional lyrics allowed an intimacy you didn't see much in punk at the time. Yeah. His his lyrics were pretty... He actually inti- had... Like, it was more than just like, uh, fuck the, the hierarchy, fuck the government. He was like, like, fuck the government, but let me explain to you why and what yeah. exactly is going on in the disenfranchisement... Yeah disenfranchisement yes there is you that go. a word yep yeah you I got make it. it up but yeah let me let me explain to you on a deeper level why this is a problem so you can understand right because not only was henry a rebel or i'm sorry is henry a rebel but he is also an intellectual yes so he has and was th- from the get-go yeah. he's got deep thoughts by henry rollins you know when you say get-go i think you're saying gecko like geico yes <laughs> And then sponsor you think, us, Geico. And then you think car insurance. Yeah, sponsor us, Geico. We'll help sell your insurance. So the band finished Damaged, and after a lengthy dispute with its record label, Unicorn Records, Ooh. it eventually was released and distributed under Greg Ginn's own record label, SST Records. The band toured relentlessly, sometimes playing 93 shows in 104 days. Wow. They basically lived in a van and made very little money, but they were true workhorses and everything they did was DIY. They put on their own shows, financed and planned their own tours, made their own flyers and distributed them themselves and put out their music on Greg's label. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Hmm. That sounds like punk. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fucking punk. That's, that's what punk is, guys. I mean, these guys were living in basic poverty. Yeah. It was five dudes living in a van. They didn't really even have a home. Yeah. And they were making like 10 bucks a person, maybe, at shows. Whoa. So That's not money. That's, that's not even That's money. nothing. That's absolutely nothing. That's basically, you should just eat it. Yeah, because you're not going to be Fry able to buy food dollars. with it. Yeah. <laughs> and granted, the 80s, you might have been able to get like... Two pizzas with ten dollars. Yeah, maybe. Ooh. Well, you you can still get two pizzas for ten dollars at Domino's, but I don't know if you want those pizzas. I mean, wait, it's, little it's Caesars, hot and ready. No, little Caesars. Is it good? Well, it's hot and it's ready. <laughs> it doesn't have to be good. Doesn't have to be good. And of course, Henry gained a reputation for his personality on and off stage. On stage, he was a raging bull, or really just an exploding powder keg. Ooh. He had this intense energy and that love of starting fights back when he was in SOA was in full force in Black Flag. He's like, remember how I like starting fights? Yeah, I'm still doing it. Still like it. (laughs) He would usually come out on stage in black shorts. That's it. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing else. Before the band went on, he would pace back and forth and grind his teeth or squeeze a billiard ball. Then, during the show, he would get into fistfights with audience members or go on rants, political and otherwise. Oh. He was looked at as very angry, very intense, and very dangerous. But his showmanship was half the reason people came to Black Flag shows. The tour they embarked on after releasing Damaged would become well known for how violent it was. Oh, that's intense. Yeah, I didn't know I how think... fucking violent their no. shows were. I, I, I never would have ever wanted were to Were they fights one. that people wanted to get in with him? Or would he just point someone, you, you're getting in a fight with no, me right No, the now. audience would start it. Okay. Probably because they wanted to, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. This was all part of the show. You went because yeah, yeah. you, you wanted to get into a fight. Yeah. Well, as Black Flag went on, there 
their sound progressed beyond punk. When My War came out in 1983, a lot of critics and fans slammed it because of its slower pace and more experimental direction. Violence towards the band, and Henry in particular, escalated mainly because jerky little punks were pissed that Black Flag were growing up and they weren't. Like, Black Flag was kind of progressing beyond punk and punks were pissed off about it. You don't say. Yeah, because they get pissed off over everything. You don't say. (laughs) The audience would assault Henry regularly, clawing him, stabbing him, and (gasps) punching him. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Maybe chill. drawing blood. Yo. Henry's attitude was alienating him from the audience, but also from the rest of the band. He once assaulted an audience member that attacked Greg at a show, for which Greg told Henry he was being a macho asshole. But Henry kept it up, often dragging audience members on stage and assaulting them. Whoa. He had anger issues. This is getting really intense. Yeah. I don't think I could handle a black flag show. Oh, no. Show. That is one place I would not want to go. I Arguably, I probably would have been more of a, you know, like in a Sydney Lauper show anyway. <laughs> Let's be real. Fleetwood Mac, probably. Oh, that too. Yeah. But also probably Cure shows. I would have gone to a lot of the Cure shows. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what kind of person I would have been in the 80s. Because there's a part of me that says I would have been a sad goth kid, but then a part of me that says, like, you would have been a fun pop girl. Or maybe I would have been in a thrash metal. Who fucking knows? No idea. I don't think you would have been into thrash metal unless you grew up in, like, California. That's fair. Henry had a softer side that the audience didn't see a lot, and his outlet was writing. He had amassed piles of journals and papers with poetry and bits of writing that didn't make it into Black Flag songs, so it would only make sense that spoken word would be something Henry would be drawn to. Yeah. His first spoken word show happened in 1983 when he was smack in the middle of his run with Black Flag. Wow. I I didn't realize it was that early either. No. Chuck, former bass player but still tour manager of Black Flag at this time, knew a promoter who was putting on spoken word shows in L.A., and the band would go see them from time to time, and sometimes Chuck would perform. One night, the promoter asked Henry to perform. Henry wasn't really interested until the guy offered to pay him 10 bucks. (laughs) Anything for $10. Anything for $10. Give me $10, I go on I can get two pizzas with that. (laughs) So Henry went on stage and told a story about Black Flag being chased down by white supremacists. Oh, man. And the audience loved it so much that the promoter asked him to come back. That was the beginning of a love affair with spoken word performance that he continues to engage with today. Well, because in some aspects, his spoken word is almost like a comedy stand-up without being a comedy stand-up. It's just that some of his stories are so ridiculous that you can't help but laugh at them. And he has that personality that totally can exude the funny parts of it. He's a really great storyteller. Yes. Period. Very much. And a lot of times musicians are great storytellers. That's just the yeah. thing that they Some have. Some of them just can't do it spoken-wise, but he's very good at that. He has a true gift of being able to do both. Yes. Being able to write lyrics that mean something, but also be able to write an essay or an anecdote or something or a poem or something that also is really entertaining and yeah. means something. This eventually led to publishing his writing. In 1984, he had 500 booklets of his writings printed, and he sold them at Black Flag shows. Okay. He borrowed the money from his mom. No, I'm just surprised he said, I'm just going to publish a bunch of books. It's fine. Yeah. This would be great, guys. 
They were popular, so he had a thousand copies of a second, larger collection printed, which sold out, as did the second pressing. Wow. Through contacts at the printers, he met and befriended Laura Cloud, who worked at Illuminati Press, and together they formed Illiterati Press. Ha! Ha. I see what they did there. Yeah. I like it. So now he has his own publishing company. Eventually, in 1984, Henry released his first book called 20, which also prompted him to start his another publishing company and record label called 21361 after his birthday. He's doing a lot. He's doing shit tons. He's do- how does when does he sleep? Never. Okay. Never. From like 1984, dude doesn't sleep. He must not because there's not enough hours in the day. No. And he does He's constantly doing so much shit. I can't, I, I don't know how he does it. It's like he just manifests time that nobody else has in order to do all of these things. And he's a ridiculous. wizard. He's a wizard. He's a wizard. fucking wizard. He should have been in Harry Potter. Oh my God. Can we redo Harry Potter with fucking Henry <laughs> Rollins in it? But what house would he have been in? Ravenclaw? You're a wizard. Oh, he could have been in Slytherin though. Ambitious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say... I would either Ravenclaw or Slytherin. I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. You I kind, just want I him, feel like by proxy you have learned. Maybe I just want him to be a Ravenclaw because that's what everybody says I am. Oh, so. no, you're a Ravenclaw. <laughs> you're very intelligent. You're very creative. Thank you. <laughs> but it's a Ravenclaw. I'm Hufflepuff because I like pot and I'm loyal. <laughs> that's pretty much all we got in Hufflepuff. All right. We like so. We like a good time. We're the good time And there's house. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we're we're the our beds are right next to the kitchen, so you know that we know tells how you to a throw, lot. We know how to throw a fucking party. <laughs> but I don't know. Henry could be a Slytherin because he is very ambitious. And it doesn't mean it's a bad thing to be a Slytherin. No. I think he you you don't you don't know. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But no. I, I, I would actually put him in Slytherin. But if if you have thoughts, add us, because I would really like to get other opinions on what house you think Henry Rollins yeah. would be in. I bet you Henry Rollins knows. Oh, I'm sure he does. I think Because he, he probably was like, instead he, of sleeping, I'm going to take the sorting he, hat he just, quiz. He did that sorting hat thing, didn't he? 100% did. Oh, yeah. Starting his publishing company was a concerted effort to keep control over his own work. All in all, he's published over 40 of his own books. By himself. Four, zero. All of his books, I believe he has published himself. You want to know why? Why? Because he's punk. And that's what he does. And that's what punks do. Shit's DIY. Just shit's DIY. (laughs) (laughs) While putting books together and doing spoken word shows to make money, Henry was still touring and recording with Black Flag. But tension and infighting were rampant issues. And even though the band was well known and toured constantly, big time stardom eluded them and they were still living in near poverty. That's so weird. Right? It it doesn't make much sense. But at this point, unless you were in the punk scene or you knew about punk, mm. you had no fucking clue who Black Flag was. That's fair. You didn't know who Henry Wallens was. Yeah. But in 1986, with six studio and two live albums under their belt and countless live shows to their name, Black Flag called it quits. They played their last show on July 27th in Detroit, Michigan. In August, Greg called up Henry in a quick two-minute conversation, said the band was over. Wow. Henry seemed okay with that, like it was definitely time it was all over. Jeez. 
But Henry still had things to do, and he pretty much went balls to the wall. He's he, like, that's cool. I got other things going like, on. That's it's fine. fine. This is I'm, fine. I'm doing a million other things, so whatever. He had already released his first spoken word album in 1985 called Short Walk on a Long Pier <laughs> and toured for it in 1986 before Black Flag broke up. He continued performing and touring, releasing two solo albums and another spoken word album in 1987 alone. Three albums in 1987. It's all spoken word? Uh, Two spoken... Or no. One spoken word album. And then he released two solo albums um, of music. One under his name and one under... It's like Henrietta Collins and something or something like that. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> he's just he's just having fun now it's just fun for him yeah but the first solo album which was called hot animal machine was a precursor to the rollins band yes and he formed the rollins band in 1987 with chris haskett a longtime friend of his and andrew weiss and sim kane who were formerly in a side project of greg ginn's they released their first album called lifetime again in 1987 And the band toured relentlessly for the next few years. They released their second album, Hard Volume, in 1989, then released a live album, and then Henry released another spoken word album in 1990. Dude doesn't sleep. He's a fucking vampire. Oh. Maybe he's a vampire. Maybe. Vampire. A vampire. Vampire. He could be a werewolf. Yeah, maybe. He's like all jacked like a werewolf is. But don't usually, like, Doofy skinny guys then turn into the jacked werewolf? No. Did you ever see True Blood? No. Oh. There's that guy. Oh my god. He's like one of the few guys that's like Joe. Joe Maginello. Oh my god. Yeah. He's a werewolf. And he is He's hot. I normally don't like a man with too many muscles. However, exceptions are always made. But also, he's definitely one of those guys where you look at and you're like, oh, you definitely wax your entire body because there's no way your head has that much hair and the rest of you has nothing. Oh, yeah. The rest of he you is not a baby's weekly. bottom. Weekly. Week. At least. Weekly. Don't try and fool me, Joe. Like, Come on. Own up to a little bit of your hair. It's fine. Like, I'm fine with hair. Yeah. It's fine. It's I don't care. Fine. Just don't try and dupe me because I know that's wrong. <laughs> you're tricking me and I don't like it. Yeah. But you're still hot and I'd still fuck you. Yes. And yes. <laughs> so in 1991, that was another eventful year for the band. They signed a distribution deal with Imago. Imago Records? Imago Records? Is that what it is? I don't know. I made that up, but it sounds right. Whatever. We're going with it. And they also play Lollapalooza. But 1991 ended with a tragedy that would affect Henry for the rest of his life. One night in December 1991, Henry and his good friend Joe Cole were coming home after seeing a whole concert at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Well, that's your first mistake. <laughs> that's what I thought when I was writing my notes. It's like, well, <laughs> there you go. Well, that there's, is tragic. There's a problem right there. <laughs> was was that it? Was the whole concert <laughs> the tragedy? Because, like, you know. Because if uh, that was the first tragedy. Anyway. anyway. Actually, early hole was fine. This was, was 1991. It, that's early. That's, yeah. This was before Live Through This came out. Yeah, then I'm, I, it's fine. You know what? It's fine. Yeah. I rescind my, <laughs> I rescind my burn. 
Henry and Joe shared an apartment in the Oakwood neighborhood of Venice Beach, and after stopping at an all-night grocery store, they went back to their apartment. Before they could even enter their apartment, they were accosted outside by two armed men demanding money. The robbers got pissed off that Henry and Joe only had 50 bucks between them, so the gunman ordered them inside the apartment to find more cash. Henry went inside at gunpoint, but Joe was shot twice in the face at close range while still outside. In the confusion, Henry was able to escape and run out the back door and alert police. Oh my god, that's awful. That's really horrible, having your best friend shot, like, right next to you. That's such a fucking freak, completely senseless thing to happen yeah. to anybody. Yeah. That's awful. And oh it, my god. It really, like, yeah. devastated You don't get him. over that. No. You don't. No, not at all. And it's understandable, too. Oh my god, that's awful. I feel so bad for him. Yeah. That's terrible. By the time the police arrived, Joe was dead and the two armed suspects were long gone. The gunmen were never caught and the case remains unsolved. Come on! Yeah. I needed justice! No, there is no justice in this story. Ugh! Sorry. Makes me really mad. However, initially Henry was a suspect in his own friend's murder. He was detained for 10 hours before police ruled him out as a suspect and let him oh go. Oh my, why would you even, why would you even think that? I mean, no, y- you kind of. No, no. <laughs> I'm not going to defend the police here. I understand. But even in suicides, you kind of have to treat it as a homicide. Right. And I know people who have found their best friend who has committed suicide and yeah. they're the ones that called the police and are like, holy shit, this has happened. And they were brought in, questioned, treated as a suspect until they were ruled out. You know, you kind of have to treat everybody like that. But also 10 hours is kind of a long that's time. That's a bit excessive. Yeah. They could have just kept him on tab or something like, oh, right. we're going to keep an eye on you. Like right. question for 45 minutes, get the story, let him go. Yeah. And it's shit like that that makes me so scared in case... I do walk in on a dead body and I have to call the cops and I'm going to be the suspect number one. My number one worst fear is being like framed for a crime that I didn't commit. I don't even think we'll be framed. Nobody will listen to me that I'm not the one that did it and somehow I get convicted of a crime I I did not I mean, I think we've watched enough true crime, true confession, making a murderer shit so where you know- This is exactly why this is my number one fear. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Even if if your friends believe you, your family believe you, the cops can even say like, I just feel like pointing the finger at you and I'm not going to do my due diligence. Because we have nobody else to go on or we don't feel like looking for anybody else. I could do my job, but fuck it. You're here. I mean, it's not to say that every fucking cop and detective does that, but there's a lot. Guys, we watch a lot of Netflix shows. <laughs> Too many, some might say, but... I don't. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. We do also listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, all of number our darkest, one. deepest fears. Yeah. 100% number one, number one fear. fear. I will not make it in jail oh, at all. no. <laughs> I think you'd make it more than I would. I think you, I would give you, I would give you more time than I would give me. I would be done in like I would a turn day. into a pretty hardened bitch pretty quick. Yeah. And I don't think that, if I had to, I would get into a fist fight. I wouldn't want to, but I would do it. See, I don't know if I And could. I would probably have some blackout rage. <laughs> you would go Henry Rollins on I would somebody. go Henry Rollins on somebody. Nice. <laughs> and not remember it afterwards, so. 
Meanwhile, I just hope I become somebody's like girlfriend and just fucking <laughs> somebody's coast my bitch. Way. I will totally be someone's bitch if it coasts me through jail. Yeah, I will do it. <laughs> I could, I could do that too. That's fine. I'm whatever. But I'm I'm not good with being the bitch. Right. I will be the one who makes the bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we got this. Our is our relationship. Prison. Yeah. This is our. Yeah, and I. But here's <laughs> not in prison I'm, terms. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with being. I'm always fine with being the bitch. Have it be known. Whatever gets me through this. So to this day, no one knows who committed the crime, but Henry has a theory on why it happened. He believes it could have happened because our good friend Rick Rubin. Are you shitting me? Rick Rubin. Are you shitting me? (laughs) What? What did you do, Rick Rubin? (laughs) Rick Rubin, what did you do? What did you do? So Rick Rubin. Rolled up to Henry and Joe's apartment a few days before the murder to hear Rollins Band's new album before it was released. He was driving a Rolls Royce. Of course he was. And wasn't exactly being coy about his fancy cell phone. And at least at that time, their neighborhood wasn't exactly great. Someone could have noticed these things and thought Henry and Joe had money in their apartment and they would be good targets for a robbery. Again, lesson learned. If you're going to visit a friend in a not great neighborhood, maybe take your shittier car or take the bus. Rick Rubin. And don't run around and act like you're rich and don't wear your nicest clothes. Just kind of going casual. My best friend growing up lived in a not great neighborhood and she would tell me, you got to do some tricks. If you got something nice you want to put in your apartment, you got to put it in in like the middle of the night when nobody's really around to watch you put a nice thing in your house. Right. So... You just got to understand, when you live in a not-great neighborhood or have a friend in a not-great neighborhood, don't act like you're really rich because someone's just going to assume, oh, well, they know rich people, so clearly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure Henry didn't realize that when he invited Rick Rubin to his apartment, Rick Rubin wasn't going to show up in a fucking multi-thousand-dollar car. Yeah. With, with a, his fancy-pants cell phone. With his Zach Morris cell phone. Fucking Zach Morris is trash. What a sexist piece of shit he was. Yeah, right? Come on. Let's not even rant about that right now. No. No. Obviously, this incident had a pretty profound effect on Henry. He kept a bottle of soil that was soaked with Joe's Joe's blood (gasps) in his house for years and possibly still has it. And he wrote a- Oh my God. Yeah. That's heart-wrenching. He said he also kept his phone, I think- Something like that. That, and he would, that I can... I'm like, okay. Or like, and he would, like, for the for the first year after it happened, at least, he would, like, wake up, say hello to him, and he was, like... He always had his phone because that way he always had a direct line to Joe. Oh, my God. Stop it. That's really sad. Yeah. Very, very sad. He also wrote a book called Now Watch Him Die that chronicled the story of the murder. Holy shit. I think he may have come to better terms with it over the years, but this was no doubt a traumatic incident in Henry's life. Yeah, of course. But Henry kept going, releasing new spoken word material as well as albums with the Rollins Band. Their second album, The End of Silence, was the first album of any that Henry worked on that charted. But it was 1994 that was the banner year for Henry as the Rollins Band's album, Wait, was released and charted in the top 40. Rollins Van played Woodstock 94, and Henry released the spoken word album Get in the Van on the Road with Black Flag, a reading of his Black Flag tour diary that gained him amazing critical praise wow. and won him a Grammy. What? That's yeah. awesome. 
Details Magazine also named him Man of the Year, and in turn, he became a contributing columnist. Oh. He was also getting appearances on MTV and VH1, so his face and his name were popping up all over the place, and he started gaining a name for himself. His reputation as a tough, angry, straightforward punk guy got him a lot of notoriety, and the music video for the Rollins Band's Liar helped a lot. This is probably the only one anybody ever remembers, if they remember it at all. I know. Um, <laughs> it's the one where he's basically, he's like really calm and collected and doing like a spoken word uh, verse. And then in the chorus, he's just fucking screaming and he's painted in all red and just screaming into the camera. Oh, no, I don't know this. You should watch it. It's a really good song. Okay. But it's a really interesting video. Okay. It's fine. I believe it. Um, he also started taking acting jobs around this time, making his acting debut in 1994's The Chase, opposite Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen. He was winning. In 94. Oh, this was pre-winning. Way pre-winning. Um, this was like 20 Actually, years. this might have been arguably when he really was winning, like before he lost his mind, because he was really big in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. This was when he was still like... Top of the Pops up there. Top of the Pops. Top of the Pops. But Hollywood style. Yeah. Henry played a police officer, which was kind of ironic considering the contemptuous relationship he had with the cops in L.A. when he was a young punk. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure in the early 90s in L.A., he really didn't like the cops. Mm Mm-mm. Nobody really did. And the cops did not like him at all. Yeah. They didn't like any of the punks. Cops were everything that punk was against right and on top of that in the early 90s in la cops weren't doing too good they weren't doing great things at their time and no but knowing how woke henry was i'm sure he that just gave more fuel for the fire oh yeah 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 (laughs) yeah i mean i'm sure the cops weren't exactly looking for um white men to harass at that point but but i'm sure henry was more than willing to harass the cops for the bullshit that they were pulling at and that time. Honestly, good for you. Good for you. So after this, Henry's acting career really started taking off. He got parts in quite a few movies through the early and mid-90s, including Johnny Mnemonic, starring Keanu Reeves. Oh, that's like a really bad movie, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. But he was also in David Lynch's Lost Highway. Which was a really good movie. I haven't seen that, but the soundtrack is fucking amazing, which is like a thing with David Lynch's movies. He has really good soundtracks? He does. Oh, okay. He has really great soundtracks. Um, The soundtrack to um Social Network is great because it's all Trent Reznor. Well, yeah. That's kind of the same with Last Highway. Yeah, pretty most much. Of it's and most of it's Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor. That's fine. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Since then, he's gotten more than a handful of acting credits to his name, both in film and TV. He's well known for his role as neo-Nazi skinhead Weston in Sons of Anarchy, which was fantastic. Never saw it. I never saw a single episode of Sons of Anarchy. It's really good. I know. Everyone says I'd really enjoy it. I didn't watch the last season because I just was like, I have too much shit to do. I've heard it's kind of upsetting. Oh, the whole thing is upsetting. Oh, okay. But, Never mind. But again, it's just kind of weird that he played a neo-Nazi skinhead yeah. because that was, again, everything that he was against. But also, Henry Rollins's look was just encompassed everything that was 
kind of like that. Yeah. It's weird because you look at like young shaved head um, Henry Rollins and you think, oh, that guy's probably a skinhead. But then if you sat down and talked to him, you'd be like, holy fuck, he's nothing like a skinhead. Right? So it goes show. Never judge a person by the way they look. Exactly. Because then you might end up meeting Henry Rollins. But that's a good thing. No, that's what I mean. Like, oh, I meant don't judge them because if you don't judge them, then you might end up meeting Henry Rollins. Okay, there Meet we go. Meet Henry Rollins. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> I'd like to. But he also even had his own TV show. Oh, briefly. yeah. Um, he had a short-lived TV show in 2006. It was a talk show. Yeah. I feel like I kind of remember this, but... I sort of remember it, but it was on IFC, so, like, of course I never saw it. Oh, yeah. No. I didn't have cable. I had cable and i think it was right before i had ifc but i'm sure they showed reruns but ifc is like cable cable yeah but i think henry's first love is and always will be spoken word performance interesting he continued to release spoken word albums through the mid to late 90s and released another album with rollins band in 1997 but by the next year he'd replaced the entire backing band hmm this incarnation of Rollins' band released three more albums, but by 2003, the band was on indefinite hiatus. Henry even said a few years later, and reiterated several more times, that he will probably never make music again, but oh. he doesn't feel there's anything new or innovative that he could do with it. But didn't he make music again, kind of? With what? What year did he said that in, like, 2003? He said this in 2003. What year did his album with the flaming lips come out? He had an album with the flaming lips. Oh, yeah. Uh, Remember when I texted you earlier today? Yeah. About how I realized my problem with the flaming lips is that it's just middle-aged men passing off noise as music. Yeah. They're just Muppets. They're just... Hi, Muppets. Muppets. They're, they're, they're Muppets mistaken as people. So we don't like the Flaming Lips people. Sorry. I've tried. I've tried. There are like maybe a handful of songs. I'm like, this is fine. Way back in the day. On. Right. In the early 90s, they were fun. Sure. She Don't Use Jelly is a fun song. But yeah. that was like when they were babies. The Sounds of Failure I like when I'm sad. It's a good sad song. All right. Like they're, they have a couple. But overall, guys... The flaming lips aren't very good, and I don't think you realize that. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills <laughs> yeah. because I don't think the flaming lips are good. This is a time when there's like this person in the room that you know is a terrible person and they're awful. Yeah. But everybody else in the room fucking loves them oh, and you're man. just screaming at them like Jim's no. here. Jim's the no. best. Oh man, Jim's on his way here. No, He's Jim's bring a, a cheese sociopath. Flag. Jim's a fucking crazy person. Guys, have you seen American Psycho? Because that's what Jim is. Yeah, and that's how I feel about the Flaming Lips. Everybody's like, no, the Flaming Lips are amazing. They're so deep and they're so this. I'm like, no. Guys, they're just a bunch of 50-year-old creeps they are who use confetti you. cannons. And like, what? Did, oh my God, what did you say? It was so fucking amazing. I don't remember. Oh God, I don't have my phone on me. But you said something and it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard in my life. Yeah, I just, I don't get the Flaming Lips. But he did an album... With the flaming lips that was covers from Dark Side of the Moon. Holy fuck. Also, why? Peaches was on a song. Oh and my I'm like, god. How is it? It's kinda like Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Why do why do really good artists keep working with them? Yeah, I don't Does know. Does no one else see it? Is it just <laughs> me? 
Because I feel like, it's like I'm losing my mind. It makes me feel like I'm screaming into a void. We and are. Like, nobody... I mean, literally, we are right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he did an album with the Flaming Lips covering some songs from Dark Side of the Moon. Needless to say, <sighs> it's not great. It's not even really good. <laughs> It was just something to do. It was. I mean, he does a spoken word on it. Okay. So. Is he only on, like, one song? No, he's on a couple. (laughs) But it's not the whole album, right? It was a couple songs? I feel like it's half the album. And I don't even think they covered all of the songs from Dark Side of the Moon, thankfully. But I just remember I was listening to Money, and I'm like, you know, people rag on the Scissor Sisters comfortably numb. But nobody fucking rags on this. And this, I will even concede to being garbage. Yeah. This is a garbage mm, noise song. Garbage. Garbage. Mm, garbage. This song's garbage. Why? Okay. You know what? But I'm sure it's different because the Flaming Lips are geniuses who have a weird obsession with Miley Cyrus. Yes. Who's like 30 years younger. Gross. Roughly. 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 Gross. I think I said something like... Um, they're like mediocre musicians who are putting on a facade or are are duping people with confetti cannons and beach balls. And calling it innovation. And calling it innovation. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Illusions, Michael. Illusions. They are 100% illusions, everyone. (laughs) Wake up, sheeple. The flaming lips are not good. They're not. I'm sorry. You know what? Come for us. I, I don't will defend give a shit. My, I will defend my position on the flaming. You get a fucking confetti die. cannon in the face. I don't care. You know They're what? terrible. I, I wouldn't mind a confetti cannon in the face. Again, I wanted to like them because confetti cannons. Right. I think that's why most people do like them because oh, confetti and beach balls. This is so fun. But their music fucking sucks. It's not good, guys. Do you realize? It makes me want to bash my face in. Yeah. Do you realize? That I want to bash my face in. Yeah. Because I do. Yeah. yeah. That, that I'm referencing one that of their songs. That I have yeah. the most bashable in face. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Okay, let's go back to Henry Rollins because right. that's what we were talking about. It kind of, it, it ties in a little bit. So I think he was really just talking about he's never going to make his own music okay. ever again. Okay. Because he doesn't feel like. There's anything new he can bring to the table. Right. But you also don't have to work with the Flaming Lips. But you could choose not to work with the Flaming Lips. That is your choice, Henry, and you chose wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. We're going to let you have it. Are we not merciful? All right. So you may have noticed that I didn't talk much about personal stuff. Yeah. Like, no standout relationships, no marriages or kids. Yeah. That's because simply... Henry didn't have any of these things. Really? That's not to say he's never had a relationship. Wait, he's not married? No. I totally thought he was. No. Wow. No, no, no. Okay. So it's not to say he's never had a relationship. He has. Yeah. But by his own admission, they have been few. They were pretty much only when he was younger. And the longest relationship he's ever had lasted only about six months. Wow. After Black Flag broke up, that was pretty much it. He hasn't had a partner in decades, and it's by his own choice. Wow. Yeah. I wonder, maybe he's just asexual, or... I I assume... I mean, it doesn't matter. It's fine if he is. I'm just... I'm speculating. Right, right, right. Or maybe he's just in love with his work. My theory is that 
Henry has a lot of emotional issues. He has... Understandably. He has, like, extreme emotions, rage, anger, all of these things that could possibly consume him if he didn't take the time to focus and keep them under control. Right. And focus on the activities that he really loves to do. And I think that spoken word in was making music. Now mm-hmm. it's like acting and, and his books and his spoken word. So by focusing on that stuff and not letting like other emotions take over, that's his way of controlling. Interesting. That's my theory. I don't know. That could be it. But I, I, and I also don't think he has time for it. He's too much in love with his work. Right. And that's kind of what I was thinking overall is that he's somebody who's so driven. Yeah. To do what he feels he needs to do art wise that mm-hmm. he's not going to have time to really commit to a relationship. Right. Maybe he has casual flings here and there just to kind of get it out. Maybe I don't he know. still does, but still, I mean, he's pushing 60. So maybe he's really just not into it anymore. Which is maybe fine. he just spent so much of his like, you know, prime years just working and yeah. being this workhorse that he just didn't even think about it. And you or know, it, I I also think it was a conscious decision yeah. on his oh, part. Oh, I'm sure. He seems like someone who is very much thinks about what he does, makes the conscious decision and goes with it. Yeah. And honestly good for him. I think that we are all put into these boxes where you know, we follow a script that you're supposed to meet a person and get married and have kids and yeah, do this and do that. Yeah, you don't have to. That there's somebody, when someone goes off the grain, everyone's like, that's so strange. And I kind of feel bad that even I had that reaction for a split second. You know what? It's not. But he if can you, do what he wants. But if you really think about it for a second, it totally makes sense. It does. That makes sense for who he is. He's and- such a passionate person about the things that he does. Right, and why not continue to be passionate about those things? Yeah. And if a relationship isn't important to you, fuck it. You don't have to be in one. And quite frankly, he is putting a lot of positive shit into the world. So good for him, and I'm glad right. that that's something that he devotes a lot of his energy to. Right. So awesome. Keep keep going, Henry. Doing what you do, doing, Henry. As for children, Henry is staunchly anti-offspring. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. I feel you so much. <laughs> When asked why he didn't want to have children, he explained that because of how deplorable and awful his father was, his family's genes are tainted and he doesn't want to pass that on to any children he might have. Which is kind of sad. Yeah, it's a sad way to look at it. I would rather him just be like, I just don't want kids and I want to commit, again, I want to commit all my time and love to my art. Right. And I can't commit that to a child, which is also fine. Yeah. But I but, feel sad that his reasoning is that he feels like his bloodline's tainted. Yeah. And That's, he very much feels that way. Because he's a good person and he shouldn't have to feel like there's badness in him. Right. He recognizes that there's an inherited trait of seething, uncontrollable anger that he got from his father. And he doesn't want to continue passing that on through mm. generations. So as far as he is concerned, that trait stops with him. I mean, good for you then. Yeah. That is but good. also, I, I get the impression he doesn't really care for children either. So, I mean, it. I'm sure it's this really, is not the kids only. Kids are fine, but I don't want them. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sure this is not the only reason, but, you know, it's a pretty big reason. Like, right. his dad had such a huge impact on him that he just doesn't want to continue and his, mom's his bloodline. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't blame him. I get it. 
So we may not be getting more music from Henry Rollins anytime soon, except for that horrible Dark Side of the Fucking Moon it was really bad. album. But <laughs> he still acts, and he's he's still very active in campaigning for causes he believes in, mm-hmm. like gay rights, women's rights, legalization of marijuana, and political candidates like Bernie Sanders. Yep. He also supported the West Memphis Three. Yes, heavily. And released an album called Rise Above to raise money for the wrongfully convicted teenagers. So he's still absolutely campaigning uh, for shit he believes in. Nice. I I have to address something before we're done. Yes. I love and respect Henry Rollins. Yeah. And I agree with so much stuff that he says. Like 99.5. Yeah, but there's like... There's something about Henry. New movie. Something about Henry. Is it really? No, no. I'm just. Oh, that's a good good name. No, it's a good movie name. Um, that can be his his you know biopic name. There's something about Henry, but there's just something about Henry. I feel like I agree with everything he will say up to a certain point, and at that point, it's when he just fucking goes off the deep end and i'm like oh no i don't know no 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 no. you went too far with that oh come back come he, back i feel like he does that a lot yeah i actually watched a really funny a couple funny interviews with him when he was talking about van halen and how he met him and stuff <laughs> it was really cute but he gets really excited and sometimes his excitement can take him a little far yeah which might be exactly what you were talking about with the relationship thing where Maybe his passions and his excitement, his anger, whatever, his emotions just go a little too far. And it's yeah. really hard to sustain a relationship with that. Yeah. Well, one thing in particular that he said recently that really, really got to me. Chafed your panties. That really frosted my cookies and really got my goat um, was when he was talking about mental health and suicide. Okay. He was a contributor to LA Weekly. And he would write a weekly column. And in one particular column, he wrote about um, mental health and suicide. Basically, the entire thing was him saying that if that people that commit suicide are cowardly and selfish. And if like if you decide to commit suicide, you're basically dead to him. No. And just the whole article made me realize that Henry has absolutely no idea what it's like to have any sort of mental illness. No. And therefore, he can't really comment on it. Yeah. He, he has had friends that have attempted suicide. Maybe some that have committed suicide. But to me, it sounds like he never really took the, took the time to really try and understand what they were going through. So... That really pissed me off. Yeah, and I don't blame you. Honestly, I feel like it's also from a point of view where there are times where depression can manifest in anger. Mm -hmm. And there could be an argument made for Henry Rollins dealing with depression. But instead of the sadness that most people normally associate, instead it turned into this anger with him. So there could also be maybe, I don't want to say self-loathing, but there could be a holding himself accountable so if he says this about depression and, and suicide, then that way he can hold himself up to that standard of saying, I can't believe in that or I can't right. condone that because then I fall into it. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. 
So just kind of devil's advocating it. But I still don't agree at all on what he's saying. And I think it's very wrong. And he caused kind of a stir with this because people that were really following him and everything that he said and really believed in him were like, what the fuck are you talking about? And also you have no right to to comment on this. Yeah, you don't. Like, and it, it was kind of a betrayal yeah, in a way. That's upsetting. But so, when did this come? You said fairly recently. This was recently. recently. This was, I want to say maybe a year or two ago, I think. Well, with any, with any luck, you know, with the backlash, he can learn from it. Hopefully. And, and say, and realize maybe I was a bit, um, crude. Yeah. And I shouldn't have spoken like that about such yeah. a prevalent problem right now i haven't found anything that is any kind of follow-up to it but i'm i'm hopeful that henry is the kind of person that will see these reactions yeah. to what he wrote and be like okay maybe this is a learning opportunity right i'd like to think the same that i, I think he's somebody yes. who can take i would something. like to think that so hopefully he it did. is 2018 and we are living in weird times so who knows yeah but I'm going to err on the side of optimism and say, you know what? Maybe he saw that and said, ooh, you know what? Let me let me, let me, me rethink my thoughts. Yeah. And also I have to commend him because he is one of very few musicians that were, you know, worked through the 80s and 90s that never did drugs. Yep. He never drank. He, he, didn't, he didn't get... drink? No, he didn't do any of that. Oh. He did none of it. Which was crazy and unheard of. He probably of. figured he had enough to deal with. Yeah, right? <laughs> substances on top yeah, of Yeah, I mean, with all the anger issues he had, I'm sure alcohol was definitely not the thing he needed. He got no. he got his release by getting into fights and, mm. you know, getting stabbed during shows. Hey. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat. Different boats. <laughs> different strokes for different folks. Yup, boats. Different boats, different strokes. Different everything. <laughs> And I will say this, I am not at all a a knowledgeable person about punk. I I listen to it sometimes and mm-hmm. I like it sometimes, you know. You're a ska lady. I fucking just let me skank everywhere. <laughs> uh, but as far as Black Flag goes, and I don't know if I'm going to get heat for this, I find the Henry Rollins years way better than pre-Henry Rollins. Whoever pre- they had before has kind of sounded like a bootleg Sex Pistols yeah. singer and I just didn't care for Pre-Henry it. Pre-Henry Rollins was I believe very um, Sex Pistols wannabes. Yeah, but it just wasn't as good. Like when I was listening to the music for the past couple of days, and and it would rotate between the two, and I was like, no, the Henry Rollins years are clearly yeah. superior. Well, his entrance into that band really, you know, signaled a change for their sound. Yeah, and, and it worked. I think it was definitely a change for the better. Yeah, they got, became more complex. They you know, became a really intellectual band. That's not just because of Henry. Greg Ginn absolutely had a huge oh, influence yeah. on that. And I mean, but, even the fact that he put Henry in the band. You right. Know, he could see something in that. Right. He could see their growth. I think it was far more complex, more intellectual, and just an all-around better band yeah. after Henry joined. I agree. That's that's kind of right. Despite the fact that the audience wanted to murder them every night, yeah, apparently. Right. I mean, don't at me because, again, I, I don't know anything about punk. So just let me have this. Little baby punk girl. <laughs> I don't really know a whole lot Skanking about it either. Corner. But, I mean, 
I I I don't really particularly like just listening to punk music. It's it's just not my thing. Right. But I can appreciate it for what it is. But mm-hmm. also, punk fans are the fucking worst. Sorry, guys. I'm you sorry. Guys, you just well, need to... not now, but back then. Yeah. They were the fucking worst. Get it together. 1980s. Get and your 90s shit punk. together. 80s punk. Yeah. Right. I don't I don't care what you do with it. Just get it together and stop being shits. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Moral of the story: Don't be an asshole. <laughs> I'd like to think that that's pretty much every week's moral is just don't be an asshole, yeah. guys. I think Henry would agree with us. Just don't be a fucking asshole. Yeah, just don't be an asshole. Well, that was awesome. Yeah. I knew nothing of Henry Rollins, really. And now I feel like I know a whole lot more. I I'm sure there's a do. lot that I, I couldn't fit in, but, you know. Don't worry. I got in the album with the flaming lips. Oh, wait. There was one fun fact that I was going to tell you that I knew you would appreciate. And yes. I totally forgot. When Henry was in Black Flag, he actually produced an album for Charles Manson of Charles Manson's songs. What? Yes. And what? he tried to release it through MCA Records and MCA was like, "Um, no. No, thank you. Because it's Charles Manson." And Henry was like, "Well, all right, fuck you then." And because of their legal Contracts. issues with U- Unicorn Records, oh, man, they couldn't know. release anything. Oh. <laughs> so it never got released. So there's only like two copies of this album and Henry Rollins has both oh of them. Oh my god. So there is there is an album out there of Charles Manson songs that Henry Rollins produced that never got released. I mean, they're probably terrible, but I want them anyway. Right? Oh my I, god. I just want to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Henry Rollins, you are a man of many layers and I love you. I would like to sit down and have some coffee with yeah, you. Yeah, I would like to have like some coffee or some tea and just sit down and have a nice conversation. You seem like a cool dude. Yeah, I'm so into that. So let's set that up. <laughs> let's put that on our planners. I'm sure he'll meet with bucket us. list. Bucket list. Yes. I have, my bucket list is getting slightly unrealistic. Anyway, <laughs> slightly, slightly. <laughs> anyway, let's anyway, shut this shit down. Let's shut it down. Thank you for listening, cause y'all are wonderful, and we appreciate you. Love and, you. And what you guys do for us appreciate and the support. You. And if you want to continue that support and love and appreciation, please go to iTunes and leave us a five star rating and write us a nice little review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. It helps us and it helps you to appreciate and enjoy this more. Because yeah. we're just going by the seat of our pants, guys. So really, help, us, help us help you. Yeah. And, I mean, even if you don't want to do iTunes, maybe you don't have an account. But if you do, you should just leave, just leave us a review, please. We'd, we'd appreciate just it. fucking review. Just do it, please. Just do it. Just do it. But if you don't, you can visit us on Twitter, at Rock Candy Pod, or Instagram and Facebook, at Rock Candy Podcast. And our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. And you can leave comments on each episode. Tell and, us a stupid story. Oh, my God. If something. you have any stupid stories... If you want to tell us how football works, that's fine. I don't even think we'll, we'll be mad. I mean, I won't be mad. I'll read it. I'll still be confused. I mean, but... we'll still be very confused. Look, I understand football. Can you explain the NFL draft <laughs> specifically? A specifically. A specifically. <laughs> yes. That's what we need right now is to know how the NFL draft works. That's all I, yeah, that's all I need right now. Yeah, that's what we need. Baby steps, guys. Yes. <laughs> Tune in next week when we do another episode that one of you lovely listeners have requested and are waiting at bated breath to see what it is. But we're not going to tell you that we put it out. (laughs) Or the teaser. If you can guess it at the teaser. I mean, bully for you. I feel like this one will be a little bit difficult, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, this is is a topic 
I didn't know shit about. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. You guys are teaching us. Yep. And we appreciate you for that. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I think so. Alrighty. With that, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Bye. Bye. Bye.